Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cloud-Based Mayhem. I apologize again for being a little late with these last few shows. We will get back on track. I've just been super buried lately with this house build and everything that's going on, but have a terrific show for you today. I just literally hung up with Baptiste Lambert. Uh, those of you who don't know him, well, you would have had to have not flown comps at all the last few years. He's uh, dominating. He's currently third in the world. He won Macedonia, the last World Cup I went to back in July. He was first or second in five or seven days. He didn't even need to fly the last day to win it. He just got back from the Europeans and he's just taken on a new job as a harness, harness designer with Ozone. And we talk a lot about comp tactics in this one and strategies and headspace and training. And he comes from a long lineage of pilots and he started flying tandems with his dad and his grandfather when he was three and his twin sister. And he both have uh, a lot of years and a lot of hours under a wing. Spent a lot, many years in Reunion, a very cool island out in the Indian and a place where they've had tons of comps over the years. But anyway, a lot of fun and you know, Baptiste was terrific and we just had a blast. I think you're going to enjoy it. This show being that's going to come out here immediately after I record this opening, uh, we've got a few, we'll see, a little over two weeks until the Red Rocks Wide Open, uh, one of our U.S. Nationals events and pre-PWC. There's going to be good letters. We've got a nice field. We're going to go big. And uh, at that time of year, it, the base is you know, definitely going to be way up tall with some good weather. And um, oxygen is recommended. And we're not doing short, sweet tasks unless everybody's just exhausted. We're going to try to go big and uh, explore this monumentally cool zone of Utah sandwiched between a whole bunch of national parks, Bryce, and Dinosaur, and Escalante, and the Grand Canyon, and pretty wild out there. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and we've still got, I think, 10 spots. So if you're interested in coming over, or if you're already here in North America and wanna do some very cool racing, it's gonna be a great scene. Uh, check it out on Air Tribune. Enjoy this really fun talk with Baptiste Lambert. Cheers. Baptiste, welcome to the Mayhem. It's uh, good to see you here um, after we raced together in Macedonia, and then I was very keenly watching the Europeans. And uh, we're going to talk all about comps, but let's start off with what we were chatting about before we started recording. And it sounds like you've got a new job and a big new move. What, what have you just done? Yeah, uh, I changed completely uh, my lifestyle because I went from uh, Annecy. Uh, to the south of France because I'm joining uh, the uh, R&D uh, development team of Ozone. So I will, I will work for Ozone now as a designer for harnesses. Ah, wicked. And what were you doing before then? Uh, before that, I was a math teacher uh, in Annecy. And um, yeah, it wasn't totally my thing. And I had this big opportunity at Ozone and I couldn't resist. Uh, I had to take the job. How long have you been an Ozone pilot? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've been flying Ozone since uh, Enzo 2. Uh, and uh, yeah, Enzo 2. So when was it? 2012, 13, 12? I don't know. Okay. Um, for those who aren't aware, I mean, there you, 
you're very aware of you if you're a comp pilot these days. You're, I think you're ranked, last I checked, you're ranked third in the world and uh, you were dominating in Macedonia. I don't think I've ever seen something so dominating as that. You were first or second, five, you didn't even need to fly the last day and you had it, you had it in the bag. That was, that was truly amazing. But um, take us through your history and, and give us the long version. When, when did you start? I understand you come from a big family of, of paragliders. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, my parents were started paragliding when I wasn't even born. Uh, and even my grandfather, uh, he was paragliding still. Yeah, he, he stopped like two years ago, but he was 80. So but he, he was 80 when he stopped, but he still, <laughs> he, he just stopped Whoa. flying because uh, he thinks it's, it's, he's now too old. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a family thing. And uh, even my uh, twin sister, uh, he, she was flying uh, with uh, us, uh, tandem flying, but uh, she was even flying with us. And uh, wow. yeah, uh, we flew together when we were like three years old. Uh, we we did a lot of tandems with both of our parents, uh, and um, we flew like three hundred hours uh, of tandem, both both of Jeez. us. And, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> and uh, we even flew with uh, the um, we yeah we we piloted uh, with uh, our parents, and uh, we we did some cross country already there back then. <laughs> Wow. Was this all yeah. mostly in Annecy? Are you from Annecy? Uh, no, no, it was, uh, we were in the south of France uh, at this time, and uh, it, it continued uh, until uh, Reunion Island. Ah, okay. Reunion Islands, that, that's a place that I've, I've sailed to. I, I sailed across the Indian Ocean oh. many, many years ago and spent some time. In fact, I flew Reunion. This was way back when I was very early. I was mostly surfing... Uh, what is the left? The the Lalu, right? Is the left? You know that that famous. Salut, salut, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and it was very sharky when I was there. It was kind of intimidating, but <laughs> wow, wicked wicked break. And uh, and uh, yeah, I took some of my kind of early. I don't know. I I had just learned how to fly when I was there. I was like twenty two thousand four or five, I guess it was. But yes. so that's just a, like me because this is the place uh, I I learned I really learned to fly. Ring really? Ah, oh, wow. Yeah. My my history is that like yeah when I was ten uh, even a little bit earlier my parents gave me a, a old wing it was uh, a pink wick, pink one <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was on the takeoff doing a lot of ground handling annoying most of the the pro pilots who were flying there in tandem <laughs> because I was all all day on the takeoff uh, trying to to try new stuff uh, just uh, ground handling you know getting used to it. And uh, I did uh, two years of ground handling, and this was in uh, Ring, uh, Ringan Island. And when I was 12, uh, I was finally, uh, it was finally legal for me to fly, because in France, you are not allowed to fly uh, too early. And when you are 12, you are. You are. So I did my first real flight uh, like, uh, from, from Saint, in Saint-Leu. And uh, yeah, I was I was twelve in Saint Louis, so just like you, uh, my very beginning is in Reunion Island. Wow, yeah, we've got a big age spread, but I'm sure those the I'm <laughs> quite a bit yeah. older than you are, but but uh, yeah, that's a neat that's a really neat place to to learn. So when did you start getting into uh, comps and more professional flying? Was that shortly yeah. after, or was that way down the road? Uh, in in Reunion, I. Yeah, the first uh, years uh, after my um, my tw my first flights there, uh, I just uh, tried to 
to do some cross country, try to fly fast because uh, I always like to fly with uh, a goal and uh, something to improve on. And uh, I started local competitions uh, because in Reunion Island, there's a, a competition every weekend. So that's cool to practice and uh, to compare mm -hmm. with friends. And uh, this helped me uh, improve very fast, I think, uh, these competitions that happens every week. So I started these competitions and uh, I had to, to finish my studies, uh, to, to finish the, uh, a big part of my studies in Reunion Island. So I stayed, I stayed there until I was uh, 20. Uh, and then I moved to to uh, France, uh, where it is easier to compete because of the price of the airplanes. <laughs> yeah, sure. Did, <laughs> was moving to the Alps? I mean, did you have? Was that a big move psychologically to go from flying XC and Reunion, which I, which I imagine is pretty limited. I mean, it's not it's not a very big island. I I, I wasn't an XC pilot when I flew there. I, I launched and flew down to the LZ. I didn't go anywhere. But the you know I know you can do some really interesting stuff like you can in Tahiti and you kind of dive back into the deepness and Reunion and all those beautiful canyons and stuff. But yeah. uh, was going to Alps kind of just mind blowing, or was this something you did all the time anyway, and it was it was no big deal. It was a big deal. It was really a big deal because uh, in Reunion Island, when you fly, uh, conditions are really smooth. Uh, like the big epic thermal is when you have a plus two, so it isn't <laughs> that scary at all, you know? Right. <laughs> and uh, when you hear that uh, in France that there are people uh, going like plus seven or so, you say, ah, this is not, this is not even possible because for me, I didn't see even yeah, like plus three, maybe the most, but... Uh, yeah, it's very smooth in Reunion. We call it like the it's like the flatlands with a little angle, you know. It's right. it's just a little angle. <laughs> so so even the big canyons don't fly it that often. Like there there are circles inside uh, inside the island. It's the old volcano who collapsed on itself, and uh, there I don't fly it a lot. But this could be uh, more more close to uh, what we fly in France. But uh, I, I flew mostly on the the flatlands with a little angle, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I think it, these these islands, you know, because I spent a lot of time sailing, and it, Tahiti was like that. You know, if the island's big enough and they're in the trades, you fly in the lee on the other side of the island, it just kind of wraps around, and it's it's beautiful. It's 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 incredibly consistent too. I understand, especially about yeah, you, you can fly a lot of you can fly a lot of days during the year because you are in the lee, and so the conditions are very smooth, and uh, you can fly very often. Uh, and there is no winter, so you can fly a lot. Uh, and compared to to France, uh, it's a very small space because uh, the lee side is quite short. Sometimes you do, you have only like uh, 30, 40 kilometers to do, and uh, that's all. So when you fly a lot of years in these islands, uh, then you, you you lack a little bit of space. You know, you, you want to, to do something bigger. And that's why moving to France was quite a relief, uh, paraglidingly speaking, because uh, I could open my, my area where I wanted to go and visit new places. And were you part of the French program in, in France when you went to France? Did you did you come up through the juniors program there? And I don't even know what you call that. Is it the juniors team? Yeah. It's, you know, uh, what Charles Cazot did and Maxime. And... Yeah, it's called Pôle France. Uh, so a lot of uh, good pilots uh, came from there. 
But uh, me, you know, I, I was, uh, when I came to France, I was too old already. I was 20. And uh, this is for when you are in high school, you know. Ah, so okay. I was old and I, I was in a separate, uh, I was uh, progressing, but on my separate, separate way, you know. Okay, so you were kind of doing it on your own. Yeah, uh, with my with my uh, father because we, I, I I always fly with uh, the the goal to improve to to try something. Uh, I never I rarely fly uh, just to fly and without goal. You know, I, I just like to improve to try things to to always push push myself. When when I fly cross country, I'm in competition. You know, I I. I tried to do my best, and uh, I, I was with my father, who who used to fly the, the same, and this helped me a lot uh, to to compare. And I I don't like to fly alone because you don't see how you're doing. So hmm. I, I wasn't in a good structure like Paul France, but I was still with good pilots in Reunion Island because there are a lot of good pilots, and uh, yeah, it, this helped me a lot. How many hours would you say you get a year, say since twenty, when you moved to the to France? I depends. Uh, it depends on the year because uh, there were two years after I was eighteen where I was I was in a in a school uh, preparing for engineering school, and this was quite intense. So I didn't I didn't fly a lot, but uh, yeah, usually I fly two two hundred years uh, two hundred hours a year. I would say. And is your main focus, Baptiste, is it ma mainly comps or, you know, I, in researching you a little bit, getting ready for this talk, I, you know, you do some big XC as well. I know that's part of your, but how, how does that split look? Is it 50-50 or is it 90-10 comps? Is, what's your focus? Uh, I would say what I, I like both, you know, uh, both are, uh, if it's preference, I like both. It's 50-50. Uh, in duration, uh, I would say I, look, I do a little bit. Yeah, it's fifty-fifty everything. Uh, in fact, uh, for me, it's a very big part to do cross-country. It's the why we fly. It's doing big flights and pushing ourselves, and it's it's a good way to improve even for competitions. You know, it's not. Um, they are very related. Good, a good cross-country pilot will be a, a good um, Will be good in competitions, I think. Mm. I was going to ask you that because it, it, I, I have found over the years that it, I, I totally agree with you, but it doesn't seem very linear to me. And what I mean by that is, you know, there are amazing XC pilots who don't necessarily have the results when they go to comps whatever, you know, they haven't maybe linked to the, the connection there. I mean, obviously to fly comps, well, we have to be XC pilots, but there's, There's a difference there as well. There, you know, we have, I've seen comp pilots who maybe just don't have the time for chasing a lot of XC in, in their year. They don't have much time off, um, but they, maybe they don't get very many hours, but they can, you know who I'm talking about too. They, they show up at a comp and you know, they're going to do well. They, they, yeah, yeah, they, sure. They've kind of just learned the secret of the trade, I guess. <laughs> I, I think that, There are things that are very related, so uh, flying XC will uh, help you a lot in a competition, but it will not help you in every aspect of competition. And the, the mm. other way around, flying a lot in competition will help you for some things in your XC, 
but uh, not entirely. There, there are things that are uh, really specific to, to the domain. For instance, when you fly XC, um, you, you will uh, fly mostly alone or with one or two other pilots. So uh, you will lack uh, the, the notion of control, controlling a group, a gaggle, which, which is a very tactical thing that doesn't uh, happen in XC. But on the other hand, you will uh, learn to center the thermic alone, to fly fast alone, to 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 do all of that stuff like attacking. It will improve your way of attacking alone uh, in the competition. So yeah, it's there are things that are specific, things that are very related, and it also I think depends on the way um, you fly XC. Uh, there are people who fly XC; they do big flights. But they don't fly like uh, in competition, trying to uh, m to do the best uh, to maximize every second they have. Uh, mm. Me, when I fly, I fly like in competition. I always al almost full speed all the time. I'm really trying to maximize and make like if they are, there's a big big gaggle behind me and trying to to go faster than them. You know, I'm always in competition. <laughs> <laughs> Did has has flying been uh, a profession for you at all, or is it just now that because you're going to work with ozone? But are was it be, when you were a math teacher? Was it also something that you would call yourself? Have you called yourself in the in the past a professional pilot? Uh, no, I don't think I'm a professional pilot because uh, in paragliding we don't earn that that much money so we can't uh, <laughs> we can't uh, live uh, with that but yeah. uh, in france we have good advantages when we uh, when we do good results uh, for instance when you are a math teacher you only work half of the hours you you have a lot of advantages when you are uh, in a very good placement so it was very important for me to make good results to have these advantages but uh, it was not uh, financial advantages, but more uh, time and uh, um, location uh, advantages. That's quite neat. So you're you're motivated by results in that you can have more more time dedicated to it. The the, exactly. the French government. Okay, so the French government comes in and uh, reciprocates yeah, they, with. Yeah, they set a spef specific uh, objective. Uh, for instance, now uh, they have uh, shortened it. So now you have to be top five uh, world uh, to to have uh, these adv advantages when you are over 25. Oh, wow. That's really cool. That's neat. So top five world, you have uh, big pressure because it's it's really difficult. Yeah, and, especially uh, in France. <laughs> and w once you lose it, then you can't compete as much. You can't have this uh, You can't... Uh, you can free your time for competition, so it's very, yeah, it's quite important. So, I would say uh, I was half pro because there's a big uh, reason why I want to do uh, good results, but it's not financial. Uh, it's a little bit financial help, but mostly it's uh, time related. Hmm. And Baptiste, how old are you now? You moved to France when you're 20. How long have you been at this? Now I'm 26. Okay. I'm going to take you through some questions here that I've been thinking about since Macedonia that are very comp related, but um, 
you know, feel free to just jump off into stories that help elaborate it or, you know, any, anything that you think would be beneficial to the audience, okay. knowing that our audience, you know, some don't fly any comps, but many do, or many are just getting into it. So we'll take this from whatever angle you want. But I thought where we'd start is advice for comp pilots that are just getting into comps. For new people to comps, it, you know, I think it can be quite overwhelming. And it can also be quite humbling. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I'm wondering, I'm wondering, you know, to me, there, there seem to be stages that we go through and I'd like to get your feelings on what, if you're new to comps, just, you know, lower regional level stuff, not necessarily world cups, but what should you focus on? What, what should be your goals when you're, you know, your first five, 10 comps kind of thing? So first thing I would say, uh, try to, to make the parkour. So try to finish the, the race. Uh, don't focus mm. on speed. Just try to finish the race and see what it's like to, to make goal. You know, you know the first step, the, the, first, uh, the first competitions is just about making goal. And uh, you will be surprised of your results because uh, I think a lot of, uh, of newcomers try to, to focus on speed uh, too early and uh, it doesn't work. So just try to make goal mm. and uh, step by step, you try to improve on some aspects. But first, just try to make goal. Then once you can, mm. you are able to make goal most of the time and uh, yeah, consistently, uh, you can try to improve a few things. Uh, the first one I would say is trying to fly with the gaggle. Uh, the gaggle is a big tool in, uh, in competition. And uh, without it, you are very uh, <laughs> like naked, you know. Uh, you, you can bomb out very easily. Uh, and you need to fly, you need, I, I say really, you need to fly uh, with the gaggle uh, to be efficient. So it will help you to go faster and uh, to go to goal more consistently. So always fly with someone. Try not to... Try not don't try to attack in front when 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 you try your first comps. Just try to to follow uh, good guys and try to to follow the gaggle. Uh, mm. And when you do it, there are certain um, there are certain uh, mistakes that you can do and uh, that you can easily avoid. Is when you follow the gaggle. Uh, don't try to follow a gaggle when you are below. Once you follow your gaggle and. Uh, you know, maybe you took a bad line and you are a little bit below. Then the next thermal you catch, try to stay a little longer in it and uh, take the second group. And uh, if you lost the second group, then take the third group. But don't try to follow the first group if, you, if they are going too fast for you. So this is my first uh, advice. Follow the gaggle. Try to stay with a group uh, that is okay for you if they are too fast. Try to stay with the second group, but never fly alone. Mm. Talk to me about strategy. You know, for example, when you were in Macedonia, what do you before every anything even starts? You know, what are you thinking about before the task? You know, even the night before or the week before? What are you trying to kind of put in place? And then through the various stages before the start. So now you're, you're off the hill, but you're before the start and then during the task. Maybe let's break that into three different things. What are the, what are the head spaces you're trying to get in or what are the things you're trying to think about and maybe not think about? Okay, okay. 
So it depends where you are because every task you have a different mindset uh, depending on your overall goal. Uh, for instance, now in uh, in the first task of a competition, I like to to play it safe, to to make a few points, so uh, so that uh, I have something to to lay on. Uh, so the like two to three first tasks, I like to to take it slow. Uh, so uh, don't don't I try not to attack uh, because in case uh, I bomb out, then uh, I, it will uh, I will be uh, demor. Uh, my mind won't be at its best if I see that I'm uh, I'm in the the back of uh, of the competition. Mm. So I try to take it slow at the beginning. Mm. And what about mentally? Like, t- tell me about your frame of mind going into Macedonia because it, it, over the years of my comp experience, it's I, I can't chalk up you know the really good races from the bad races mentally in in terms of you know it seems to be that i do better if i'm more casual and i'm you know i'm more focusing on the fun um but you know maybe not taking it so seriously but then there's other times where i take it quite seriously and i do well i you know i I, i've never i haven't really found that there's a magic place to be but do you have one that was something you know a kind of a mindset that you like to go into it do you go into it not you know i'm gonna win this one or do you just ah, i'm gonna go to macedonia and have some fun yeah um i think I, i'm trying to find a good mindset i think there is one uh but uh it's really hard to find uh for macedonia i think i just found it right and uh and um yeah it it was really a good experience but it yeah there's no no magical solution it's it's really a, a very thin line uh, that you have to to find uh for macedonia um yeah the first ta- uh, the during the training day uh i saw that it was very stable so i i, I said to myself uh, i wanted to to fly very safe uh to 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 make a few tasks very safe in the gaggle and if there's a very big opportunity that I'm very, I'm very much ahead. Then I will try to do some stuff, but I wanted to play safe. And um, finally, what happened is that when I was in the air, I felt very good. Uh, I always, uh, I, I, um, I often wa- I was uh, very high in the gaggle. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I could attack, but I didn't because I, I told myself it was stable. And I have uh, I uh, I have set this objective that I wanted to stay with the group uh, for the first task, so I did. Even if I had a few opportunities to to try to escape, I didn't because uh, I tried to be disciplined. Uh, I tried to to follow my rules, mm. and uh, it, it worked out really great. Uh, I won this task just by staying the gaggle, uh, trying to make good lines, and at the end, be being the highest in the gaggle and just pushing and it. It's, uh, it's it helped me won the win the the three first tasks, but I didn't attack in this task. I just I just uh, followed my rule and uh, and doing so uh, the the best way possible. So I, I finished higher in the in the gaggle, but uh, yeah, it wasn't attacking. It was just following my rules and uh, trying to fly better than the others. What? How many of your decisions are based on? instruments versus gut feel uh, it depends uh, for the the glide to goal uh, i use a lot of my instruments 
But uh, during the flight, I don't use it that much. Uh, and in the submarine that I had, uh, I, you couldn't see, uh, I had a bad setup for my instrument, so I couldn't see it that much. And when you're when you say glide to goal, are you you know the, near the end of the race? Is that the main thing you're looking at? And is it are you more focused on glide to end of speed or glide to goal? Uh, it depends. If uh, if it's not stable and I think there are thermal between uh, the end of speed and goal, then uh, I will uh, focus on uh, glide to end of speed. But uh, yeah, during this phase, during this phase. Looking at your glide ratio, the glide ratio to goal is very important, and trying to trying to take the the less margin as possible is uh, really a good thing. And you can't do it without your instruments. They are they are very precise in doing that. Uh, du during the comp, uh, often uh, I used to follow the optimized line uh, to to try to do the shortest uh, route. But uh, now I tend to, and this is what I did a lot of in Macedonia, I tend to, to follow more the lines, the clouds, uh, even if they deviate a lot from uh, the line. Uh, it's, I think good lines, good, good, uh, good convergence can, can make you go very fast even if you are not really on the axis. So yeah, instruments are a good tool, but sometimes you have to, to trust your guts and trust your your sky uh, reading. How often would you say you make a decision that's, I would, I would classify it as a little bit rash. You know, there, there, for me, there are times in a comp where, you know, when you're in a really strong position and you're sitting on top, the decisions are very easy to make, but there are times when you're maybe not in a very strong position where, you know, it's very easy to just go, Ah, fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna press on. Um, do you try to rein that in totally, or we are you susceptible to that kind of? I guess that would be an undisciplined uh, act, you know, where you're, you know, because there's times where it's just this isn't working. I got to keep moving. I got to find something better. Yeah, I, I completely see what you mean. Um, I think rush decisions are very bad. Um, when when you do this kind of decisions most of the times you know they are they are bad you know you know it deep inside you you know it but you do it and mm -hmm. um, this is flying with your heart you know you're flying with your emotions and um, and this is what I try to do in Macedonia also is not flying with your heart you your heart is is for other stuff but not for flying competition you need to fly with your brain and just making um, rational decisions and um, you you see, I have a very good example. It's like the task uh, maybe four of, yeah, the task four or five in Macedonia. Uh, I started very late because I had uh, problems with my glider, so I started uh, twenty minutes before the start, and I did the start in like in uh, the last place or something like that, and uh, I was like uh, five uh, to ten uh, kilometers behind, and uh, I I I tried to to stay cool to not to make this uh these bad decisions uh, like okay all in let's go i try to to catch up like that and uh, i thought to myself they are they are very far ahead uh, i saw uh, all the all the gaggle like little dots you know and uh, i thought to myself okay if they make a mistake i may catch up uh, and do something 
and uh, if if they don't, they don't. But I can fly faster that that I can, you know. <laughs> yeah, mm. they, there is a limit to what I can fly, and uh, you won't go faster by flying low. You, for instance, you you will go faster by taking a better line or choosing better your terminals. But you you just have to fly fast. So uh, what I did is that okay, I'm uh, very far behind. But I take my time. Maybe there will be an opportunity. Maybe there will not. But I'll try just to fly fast. Mm. And in the end, there was an opportunity when we, when the gaggle did the 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 yeah the the last turn point before uh, going to e, uh, the speed section. Uh, I did a very good convergence that was not uh, on the optimized route, and it was really really great. And I did catch up at the last thermal to. To end up to end up uh, first at speed section, so it it was very a patient game, but I tried to uh, fly with the head and not with the heart, so try to make rational decisions and uh, not to to go faster than I possibly can. Good advice, there, Baptiste. There's I I hear that uh, you know the French team or maybe even the Swiss teams they they'll practice these little things that are microseconds or maybe a few seconds, but then over the course of the, of the, the race will really add up. For example, you know, turning before you hit the cylinder. So you just barely get the cylinder, you know, so you're, you know, you're coming off bar maybe a little bit and, and getting a nice bank and then coming back onto bar. That's a very risky thing to do. Yeah. I mean, is that so, I was just going to say, is that something you do or is these just stories? Because <laughs> uh, I don't do, do that. Uh, and I think uh, in uh, in competition, most of the pilots do it. You, you turn a little bit before and uh, you try to to optimize it like that. Uh, but uh, there are a few stories where the pilots uh, end up not doing the, the cylinder. So <laughs> it's very bad. Um, in Italia, uh, I did it. And my instruments didn't turn the, the cylinder, uh, I, and I didn't see it, so for me it was okay. I did all the tasks, and just before the end, I saw that I didn't do uh, the, the turn point. And in the end, it worked out with the margin, but it was very, very tight. You know, it, <laughs> I was lucky. So this isn't something that's a that's a big deal. This isn't something that people need to really work on. It's more all the other things. I mean, yeah, I'm just, it's not a big you know, thing, you know, being okay. 30 meters behind because you didn't do it won't, uh, won't be that bad. Okay. Okay. Um, tell me about strategy for each day of the race versus the week. You know, there are the Yasins of the world that just go for the, the task win all the time and press, press, press. And then there are the yeah. disciplined pilots like yourself and Russ who are, you know, going for the win of the comp, but how do you adjust your, I'm not asking, you know, obviously winning a task is really fun, but how do you adjust your own personal uh, strategy as the days go by? Is it totally dependent on where you are going in or is it more just an overall strategy? Like you were talking about, okay, the first days I'm going to be very disciplined. I'm going to, I'm going to make goal. I'm not going to worry about too much about being fast and I'll just, you know, grab the opportunity if I can. Does it stay like that all week or does it start really changing depending on where you are? Uh, yeah, it, it, it depends. Uh, if uh, you did a bad result, you already landed twice, then you you will go for the task wins and uh, have fun. 
But uh, <laughs> if you are looking for the comp win, then uh, I would say it's uh, it's indeed like that. It's uh, you fly the best you can uh, relatively consistently and uh, try uh, to take a few opportunities. It's a risk versus reward thing, but you try to take opportunities if you really feel it. Uh, yeah, and it depends on the discards you have. If uh, if you have uh, a discard left, then you can fly a little bit more aggressively. And uh, the more the competition go goes on, the more aggressive you can fly if you didn't land or didn't do a bad task. So yeah, it depends. Uh, it depends really on your goal and uh, on your your previous tasks. Mm. Talk to me about strong versus weak positions. I think this is something that. Uh, you know, as if you do a lot of comps, it, it starts to really just be naturally makes sense. But I think for, for, especially for early comp pilots, the, the difference is, is maybe not so concrete. They don't really, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to really understand. Just talk about, yeah. you know, like controlling the gaggle versus being in a weak position. Yeah. So controlling the gaggles, there are multiple ways to do it. And it's, uh, the most efficient way to fly consistently. Um, so yeah, obvious, obviously, if you are uh, in the front, it's it's really hard to 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 take the good lines. You can uh, you can miss it by fifty meters, and you will see when you will see it will it will be too late. So you, control is uh, is is a very subtle thing to do because if you are too way too back, then uh, uh, you will be. Uh, you you won't have the good timings for the thermal. Sometimes it will end up and you won't catch it. So it's a it's a very very hard thing to do. Uh, it's a, yeah. There are some formulas uh, to with angles uh, that you can check on my YouTube channel if you want. Uh, I talk a little bit about that. But yeah, controlling uh, a gaggle is very hard. For me, uh, the easiest thing to do is being inside the gaggle, like a you know, like a fish inside the gaggle, not being on the borders, just inside, not in the front, not in the back, just in the right in the middle. And this is the easiest way to fly in the gaggle. Then there is also a, a good way to fly. It's it's a little bit behind, so you can see all the lines. If there are good lines, bad lines, then you decide to to switch from one line to another to another. Uh, and uh, and take the best out of everyone that is in front of you. That's easy, but you don't. You you need to take care not to be too too far away, so not to miss miss the timings of the tumult. And uh, my my best way uh, to fly in the gaggle, uh, it's a control that is uh, a little bit aggressive. Is uh, when you are the the highest in the gaggle, you can uh, go a little bit ahead. So you are the first on the competition. You take leading points, but if things go badly, then you can you have still have the height to to turn around and uh, take the thermals of uh, those who catch a thermal when you don't see it in the back. So this is the the way I try to fly in Macedonia, for instance, is being the highest and use my advantage to take leading points. And if things go bad, then I can I still I can still return inside the gaggle because I. I had uh, an advantage, but this is really a little bit hard to pull off. Yeah, that, that you have to be flying very well to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 that's a good transition. Lead points. This has been something that um, 
has caught me out several times this year. I, I, in the past, you know, they're always tweaking it and changing things, but in the, in the past, I, I hadn't been too concerned with lead points because it didn't seem to really be worth the risk, but that now, uh, you know, several times in Colombia and Macedonia, you know, I would come in and end a speed in really nice position, but my lead points were terrible. And, uh, and I, and I realized I need to put some more focus on this, uh, because it was, it was killing me in the overall. And so, um, the obvious is, you know, we're, we obviously we're trying to be out front, but how much are you thinking about lead points? And as the race, you know, as that day develops, um, how, how much is that something that's, that's in your mind thinking about it? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. Um, it depends on what I want to do in the competition. If uh, uh, for 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 my uh, for my way of flying, if I want to just to to make a top ten, then I won't be that much that much focused on uh, leading points. Uh, I will just try to make a a, a good uh, a good place at the speed section, and most of the time it will do the job. But uh, I've noticed that uh, now uh, there are very good pilots, and if you want to to take the really top, top, top positions, uh, you have to to focus a lot now on uh, leading points. Uh, every every point counts, so uh, the, these are 160 points uh, that you can't leave behind. So you you need to optimize it. So so that's a thing I, I did in Brazil. Uh, with uh, Maxim Pino when uh, the, the World Cup I won, uh, we we flew and uh, when we were uh, in the advantage uh, compared to the Gagel, we used our advantage to take leading points. Most of the, of the time we took bad lines because uh, you know when you fly alone you are not efficient. And then we we went back to the group, try to make our way on top again and use. Always use our advantage to to transition it into uh, some leading points, and in the end, uh, it uh, it did a good job. Uh, it, it it was really really nice to have this little advantage of leading points. So, yeah, it mm-hmm. depends on your result. If you want to go top top result, you have to focus a lot, and uh, and if you you want to do a good result but not uh, not the the best of the best, then I think you can. Uh, you can leave them a little bit behind because uh, doing doing a good uh, time at speed section is really more important. And if you focus too much on leading points, there's the risk of uh, of really uh, of really uh, doing a, a bad thing. You know, is your background or do you think your background in math really helps you with strategy and you know understanding the data the you know, the algorithms and the understanding FTV. Do you, do you think that matters? That's a funny question because uh, in the European uh, championships, there were uh, there was a new scoring uh, system that was uh, not uh, ready yet uh, and they still used it. And uh, we had to go through every formula uh, to see uh, every bug that was uh, <laughs> occurring. So we, we had to... to to see every formula and uh, see the bugs and finally understand because I didn't took that much time to to see all these formulas and uh, and seeing that uh, it helped me understand when I had to what I had to do to for for instance for the leading points 
what was important to to score these leading points and um, yeah it was really nice uh, to to look into those formulas and uh, of course uh with my with my uh, mathematical background it helped a lot uh, i saw that uh, some some pilots uh, felt uh, a little bit uh, powerless you know a little bit frustrated because uh, we saw these bugs and uh, they couldn't so if we weren't there the, it it would be uh, a little mess you know until the yeah until two tasks before the end there wasn't a final result yet everything was provisional because uh, there were too many mistakes um, there were too many bugs so yeah, looking into these formulas is is quite good sometimes. Is that going to be a system that you think will be widely adopted in the end? Was it a good system? Uh, are you talking about ah the the fine, the overall At system? The yeah, no, it's I think it's a very good one because there's a a live uh, scoring system, uh, which means uh, the for instance the coach or French coach could see uh, live the points, the leading points, everything. Uh, the time points, uh, it was really great. Huh, that's yeah, cool. I didn't Just know that was going bit, on. Just a little there. time to, to be perfect, but now I think it's good. Huh. Are you, uh, this is more a personal question, but, you know, so you crushed Macedonia. You won there, you won Brazil. Um, Europeans, not as successful. Is that something that, you know, is frustrating to you or is that, and by not successful, still very successful, but you didn't win it. Is that, is that something that, you know, are you, are you a kick your helmet kind of guy when you don't do well or are you uh, just, <laughs> just rolls off your shoulders? No big deal. No, it, it, I, I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated, but um, yeah, not that much. I, I'm, I'm a calm person, you know, <laughs> I, I don't take it too, too bad. <laughs> But uh, I learned a lot from it. Um, I, I was very hyped from Macedonia. I came, I was too confident, I think. And uh, I told the coach, okay, um, if, if, I do, if I take an advantage at the two, three first tasks, then uh, it's okay, I'm, uh, I, I will be very, very good. Because uh, if I take an advantage at the beginning of the competition, then I know very well how to to keep uh, very consistently my advantage and not to lose points. But but taking this uh, this little advantage is sometimes difficult. So I wanted to do it uh, from the beginning, and that was a little bit um, how do you say cocky, you know? <laughs> it was uh, it was it was a bad decision, and uh, I learned from it. Uh, it was a bad plan. Uh, I tried to force things instead of flying well and uh, taking uh, opportunities if there are ones, like I used to do in Macedonia. Uh, I, I was too too confident and uh, I wanted to 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 try to win from the beginning and then okay now I can chill and stay in the gaggle and just do uh, good points. It will be uh, mm. sufficient. But uh, no, this is not the, the the right way to. It it doesn't work for me. Uh, Anyway, so I think right. now it's I will do my thing. If I take the advantage at the beginning, it's perfect. It's even easier. But if I don't, then maybe I will take it later. But I don't need to force things uh, to do good. So I, I I think it was a bad plan, and I learned from it. From it, it's it's good from time to time to 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 take a little reminder like like this, you know. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, you had the recipe in Macedonia. You just stick with it. Make the pancakes, make the pancakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had the recipe. Why change it? Uh, I just need to to keep that recipe. It was very good. 
And uh, mm-hmm. like you said in the, the beginning, there, sometimes there's a state you want to, to try to, to find and to keep it because in that state you are very good and you are, you are flying well. So I think I found it, I found it a couple of times and now I just need to, to keep, to, to keep it. And it's the, it's the same stage I, I was in uh, China when I won. It's the, the same when I was in, in Brazil also. It's, I, I just need to keep that recipe and don't change anything. Have you ever suffered Baptiste uh, since, you know, 20 to 26 now, and now you're, you know, you're winning these world cups. Have you ever suffered with just lack of motivation or, you know, do you ever come out of these things going, ah, you know, I don't really know why I'm doing this. Ah, no, never, (laughs) never. You you don't have any trouble with getting all passionate about it and fired up. No, no, flying is, is my life, you know. So, yeah, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Good. Good answer. Um, what about physical training, diet, any of that kind of stuff? Do you, do you, uh, you know, hike and fly or is that, is that part of your regimen at all? Yeah. I, I have a big deal, dilemma because, uh, I used to, uh, to make some, um, workouts to, to, to be heavier because, uh, bigger wings fly better. Mm. Uh, so I tr- I did it. I went from uh, 62 to uh, now I'm 70. And mm-hmm. uh, I tried to do that to be uh, in a good spot with, mu- uh, with muscle, but a little bit of fat to, to be heavy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm, uh, I have a big dilemma because uh, I started uh, to make hike and flies. And uh, if I want to be good at hike and flies, so I will have to lose some weight and then it won't be as good for competition. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky thing to to choose. To get right. Yeah, we're all going to have to become actors or something, you know, who famously gain and lose weight for every role they're, they're <laughs> yeah. playing. But, you know, it, it's always encouraging to me to, to see, you know, Maxime, who's a pretty little guy you know, he still does, he's, he's proving that you can still do it on the smaller wings, but, but, uh, yeah, that's, do I hear, a an X Alps or that kind of thing in your future? No, not, not X Alps. I will uh, try to do just for fun, uh, some, uh, some local competitions, but it's still, uh, it's still a challenge for me because, uh, I didn't used to, to hike a lot and now I'm trying. So, um, yeah, maybe I will have to, to change a little bit my diet and yeah, it's, it's quite motivating, but uh, on the other part, I wanted to to fly a M size, and if I do it, I won't be able to fly the M size. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Because uh, I always flew the S size, and um, I see there's still a little difference with the M size. Like for instance, Maxim Pinot is uh, now flying the M size, uh, even if he's uh, quite lightweight. Uh, he takes a lot of ballast, and uh, I can see that yeah, it's it's working well. So I, I want to do the same, but if I lose weight on the other side, uh, it will be even more ballast for me. So I don't know. But the training and the diet, do you, do you consider that an important part of success or is that just something personal? Uh, for success for, for the competition in uh, cross country? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think it matters that much if you, no, I don't think it matters that much. Uh, it's just, if you want to, to improve a little bit by flying a bigger size, then it's okay. But 
just uh, staying healthy to fly uh, long flights i think it it helps you to get uh, focused a longer time if you are healthy but yeah it's not a, that much of a big difference let me ask you a totally different kind of question um one of the things that was a little annoying to me in macedonia was the the shortness of the tasks. Do you, do you like long tasks or short tasks? Yeah. To me, it's God, those are beautiful days. Let's keep going. <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure. I'm an XC pilot. You know, if a task can go for five, six, seven, eight hours, I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's good to hear. That's good. I mean, I, I find I, that I, often I was, in the, I was, it's a, it's a very good question because I was in the, um, the committee in the pilot committee in the French open uh, which uh, took place in uh, in uh, Montlambert in France, and uh, with my, there was Maxime also with me, uh, which uh, always uh, fly XC with me, and uh, we pushed to to make these big, big tasks, you know, like uh, one seventy kilometers uh, triangle things like that, and uh, when we did, people were not that happy about that because. There are, there are people who want to do competition uh, and they, they want the competition to be very short and to be a, a quick race. And uh, they don't think that uh, competition and uh, XC are related. And uh, yeah, there were a lot of people who weren't uh, happy about that. But really? I think it's a really good thing to mix, you know, XC, long flights and uh, competition. I would love to uh, competitions where... You know, you go uh, a week in a place where where you, where you can do big flights, and uh, like the competition could be okay. The the guy who the the person who makes the the biggest flights in the week wins or something like that would be amazing. You know, if you are 100 pilots trying to do cross country, imagine what we can uh, achieve. Mm. Yeah, we're I'm I'm running a, a U.S. Nationals and a pre PWC here in a couple of weeks out in Utah, and I re, if we get the weather, we're really going to try to break the the race to gold distance record. And maybe one day we'll just do an open day. That'd be that'd be really fun. But uh, yeah, yeah the, you know, we, we're we're advertising it as you know, don't come if you don't want to go big because <laughs> it's, it's it's really high base and you know it's a good place to fly with oxygen and we're hoping to go really big but yeah this is something i just find uh can be annoying about the world cup scene is it's always you know an hour and a half two hours they're short i just i want to go bigger <laughs> you know it's i completely agree yeah good that's good to hear for me my best task was in uh, monte grappa in italy uh in uh, april and uh, we did a 170 uh, triangle uh, closed. Uh, it was like an FIA triangle, and uh, it was yeah. epic. We 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 flew uh, we flew longer, faster, and it was it was really good. And uh, when awesome. I see that uh, you, we were in uh, the European Championships, and in the same time there were uh, people in France uh, breaking the FIA. Oh my record. god. 348 kilometers while we were doing two two hours tasks. I was so, ah, I want to go back to France. It's so good. And uh, I think if we can do longer competitions, we won't have that feeling again. You know, we, we can use all the day, day to fly. Why are we using only two two hours? Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's, we, sh we should fly longer. That was amazing. Those uh, Potel and those guys uh, when they did that, yeah. those huge FAIs. It was. It was kind of for me. It was a bit of a 
Oh man, because that's where my race ended in 2019 on that coal and coal to Uzard or Uzard. I don't know how you say it, but, uh, and it was an amazing flying day. My, my, I had walked all night on bare feet. My, my feet were just mangled and I had no interest in flying, but one of my supporters that day took off and had a really nice triangle. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's an amazing potential and those guys proved it. That's just, it's, you know, it's just, just over the coal from Agnello. Yeah. I think they, they, they find just the right spot to fly. It's, it's really, oh. it seems all natural, you know, it's, it's really good. It all just flows. Yeah. That, that's amazing. With the Ozone team, we already designed a, a, a longer version of it for the next year. It will be a phew, it will be epic. Wicked, <laughs> wicked. Does, does that? That's a good one. Um, does big distance record breaking type stuff interest you? Like coming to Texas or Brazil or you know that kind of thing? Yeah. Um. I, the the straight flights aren't uh, that much my thing because of the retrieve. You know. It's, it's yeah. really long and you can't uh, fly two days in a row because uh, the, the retrieve is too long. I, I like, uh, but I'm very, very interested in records uh, breaking in the FIA triangle, out and return, uh, all this stuff I'm very interested in. Mm. Yeah, that that's that's fun. That's really more my focus these days too. It's awful nice to come home at the end of the day. That's, yeah, that's and, always really good. And, and I think uh, there's, um, because uh, I, I have a very... Uh, competition spirit you know and uh, i think making your own speed uh, on a closed um, on a closed um, parkour <laughs> on a closed way mm. is uh, is something else than uh, using the wind and uh, not having the same day um, if if you are if you if you if your distance is closed then uh, you did your own speed you know it's uh, it's not the same for me yeah, I agree. I mean, I, the, the, the record tracing, record chasing, you know, downwinders is, uh, you know, there, there's a real endurance side to that. Like you said, it's the, it's the retrieves, but it's what it comes down to what I like more about triangles is that it's really more pilot ability where as the, you know, the big, and I'm not knocking, I've done tons of the long distance stuff and it's, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Brazilians have proved how to do it. And, you know, yeah. the, there's, it's really the staying power. It's really, you have to treat it like a job and you're going to do this job. And because really it's the day, I mean, it, you're, you're going to mm -hmm. get the record if the day presents itself. It's not so much the pilot. I mean, on that good of a day, I think there are a lot of pilots in the world, especially these days who could break the record, but they got to be there and do it. Whereas the mm -hmm. FAI, I think is a lot more ability. And that's, you know, that's where people get separated. Yeah, uh, that, that's why, uh, I, yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. The the straight distance is more related on, uh, on, the, on the day, yeah, on the, the conditions. Day, yeah. and, uh, you can make uh, an okay day. Uh, you can make a very, very, very big FIA triangle on an okay day uh, if you, you do your best. So, yeah, yeah I think, exactly. I, I think that's why I prefer... Uh, and because of the retrieve, but that's uh, another thing that uh, I love about uh, closed distances. Baptiste, tell me about, uh, totally switching gears here, but uh, the technical side of things, what about trimming? How, how, how closely are you watching your wing all the time and how often are you fiddling with it? Uh, it changed uh, very recently. Uh, I used to, to check my trimming, trimming like every 40 or 50 hours. 
uh, I used to check it and uh, now I just, uh, if my wing is flying straight, I don't check it and I only use my feeling. Uh, if my glider isn't turning that well, I will fasten my tips. If my uh, glider is a little bit um, a little bit slow in speed or is feeling a little bit slow in thermals also I will I will fasten the 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 A1 and the A2 um now I think with experience I'm I'm uh, me- measuring less and just flying more, more with the feeling yeah huh, because okay. me- measuring we don't um, have yeah with the tools you can see differences but in the end it's all the feeling that matters yeah, sure. Yeah, I find that too. If it feels good, well, I mess with it. Um, yeah. Okay. Last one, and and I haven't prepared you for this one at all. So if if you have to take some time to think about it, that that's fine. But craziest thing you've ever seen in flying ever. Hmm. Okay. Uh... And crazy is defined <laughs> by you, but you know the funniest thing or the craziest thing or the scariest that whatever it is just, you know something that just when you're having a beer with your friends, you go you you tell this story. Ah. Yeah, I th- I think for me craziest won't be the funniest, but uh, just the more epic uh, epic feeling. You know, <clears throat> it will be the craziest feeling for me. It will it's uh, after a big 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 uh, flight, like uh, eleven hours flight, when uh, I have the the sunset and I, I was with uh, Maxime and uh, John flying, and it was so beautiful. The the sun was going down. We we were just making it. Uh, the glide to goal was, was very tight, and I stop a minute. I stop because I'm in very, I'm in a tense competition when I'm flying in XC. And I stopped a minute and just looked around. We were very high on the last glide. There were no more thermals, just snow everywhere, and uh, the lights of uh, the the red light on the snow. And it was, mm. and we were gliding. And the, when we went down, we went on the shadow. It was off. So, such a good time it was really great mm, i can visualize it of course i wasn't there but ah oh, that sounds that sounds beautiful nice one and a good place to end baptiste thanks man i really appreciate it uh what a joy and what a joy to watch you fly man that was really i've flown a lot of world cups and uh you know, I'm used to watching guys like Honor and just, you know, do that kind of thing. But man, you were dominating. Holy smokes. That was just unbelievable. And I was uh, just above you when you bombed out on that last day. And I thought, man, I would like to be in that position where I don't even have, it doesn't matter. I've still got the win. <laughs> that was great. I bet you thought, ah, you know what? I don't need this. I'm going to go have a beer. But uh <laughs> Fantastic, man. We'll keep crushing and uh, can't wait to see you at the super final and congrats on the new job and the new uh, living accommodations there in Gourdan and, and say hi to the crew. And uh, yeah, man, see you soon. Yeah, very, thank you very much. See you soon. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing. 
lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes cost. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription and it makes all of this possible. I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but I, for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people, and these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, a little video cast that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear. We don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us then just let me know and i'll set you up with an account of course that'll be lifetime and hopefully and you're being in a position someday to be able to support us but you'll find all that on the website uh, all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought cloud-based mayhem merchandise t-shirts or hats or anything you should be all set up you should have an account and you should be able to access all that bonus material now thank you so much for listening i really appreciate your support and we'll see you on the next show thank you